Welcome to Faithbrook Church. I love that we get to worship together on site, online, and for those of you watching later, on demand as well. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Mike Delgallo. I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. And for those of you who might be here for the very first time, maybe been coming around for a couple times, I want to extend a special thanks for taking time out of your weekend to join in and worship together this morning. In fact, if you are a guest with us, I want to encourage you to reach in the seat back in front of you and grab one of the blue connection cards. And if you would take a moment to fill that out, at the end of the service, you can drop that off into one of the giving boxes as you leave. And for those of you who are on site or uh, are online and watching later, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and you can fill out a connection card there as well. Now, two things happen when we receive a connection card. The first is for every single connection card that we receive, we donate $5 to Cross Food Shelf. And this is just a small way in which we can partner with a local organization and give back and make a difference in our community for those who are hurting and in need. And the second thing that happens is that I would personally love to follow up with you and just thank you for coming this weekend. So I look forward to making that donation and connecting with you. Well, if you hang around Faithbrook long enough, something that you'll hear amongst the staff and those who are here is that we don't necessarily want things from you, but we want things for you. And one of the things that we desire for you is that you grow in your relationship and your faith with God. And one of the best ways that you can grow in that way is through volunteering and serving others. In fact, there is a great opportunity I want to share with you that's coming up this Friday and Saturday as we partner with Feed My Starving Children. Feed My Starving Children is an organization organization whose heart is to uh, put together food bags to send to starving kids and families worldwide, including nations like Ukraine. And our part is to show up to the facility and be able to put together the food bags so that Feed My Starving Children can send out these bags worldwide. I know a couple years ago, my wife and I signed up for this event, and we were newer to Faithbrook. In fact, we didn't know very many people at all. And as we were heading out to the facility, we were just wondering, what are we going to expect? What's this going to be like? Is this even going to be cool? Well, guys, let me tell you, after the end of that night, we had a blast. It was so much fun being able to stand side by side with other people from our community, being able to put together these bags. We even made a few friends out of it. And all the while, we knew that we were making a difference and also being able to partner with Faithbrook's own mission to love God, even to love people. And best of all, we were able to journey together. So maybe you're sitting there and you're wanting to join in. Maybe you're wanting to volunteer and help serve others. The best way to do so is to go through the Church Center app. You can download it from your app store. It just takes a few moments to set up. And when you do and you get to the homepage, just go to the bottom and click on events and you can go to Feed My Starving Children from there. Also, you can go online to our church website at faithbrook.church and find out more information there as well. So I look forward to hanging out with you and seeing you there and serving together as we further the mission of Jesus together. Well, at this time, in just a few moments, we're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we launch off a brand new series called Parenting in the 21st Century. Well, welcome to our new series, Parenting in the 21st Century. And uh, you can tell that parenting is an adventure, but parenting is also one of the most important things we can do in our life, and it's not for the faint of heart. You know, I overheard uh, someone sharing that they were at a parent seminar for teenagers. If you're parenting teenagers, and the speaker started off this way. 
Welcome to being a parent of a teenager. Prepare for a large amount of eye-rolling, emotional outbursts, and thoughts of running away, and that's just for the parents, right? Uh, one parent said, wow, after all this parenting, I think it would be, I'd like to be a hostage negotiator. It seems less stressful because sometimes parenting can be very stressful. Well, I'm so glad that you have, uh, are participating this morning, worshiping, especially at this nine o'clock hour in this uh, new snowy conditions here in Minnesota. Maybe you're like, skip the, the roads. I'm staying at home and you're watching us. Uh, via the, the internet. Welcome. Uh, I believe that this series, Parenting, has something for everyone, no matter if you haven't started parenting or your past parenting. I have a feeling that there's going to be some concepts and precepts that encourage you. Maybe that you've been through it, and uh, some of the things that we share here will reinforce some of the things you try to um, enact in, in your children. Hopefully there will be a couple of uh, laughs and giggles and something that will inspire you and challenge you in your everyday life. This series uh, is really inspired by uh, Minister Andy Stanley. He has a, a few uh, quotes and some concepts that I'd like to share through this, this series called uh, Parenting in 21st Century. Well, have you ever noticed that before you have kids, you always think you got all the answers? Sometimes maybe you're in the grocery store and you're seeing some kids misbehaving or at a restaurant and you think to yourself, you know, when I have kids, they're never going to do that, right? And then when you do have kids, you're like, oh no, I might be one of those parents. Those kids might be one of those kids. You know, we, who, can, who can blame us because it's not always easy? Uh, it seems like the way God set things up is that when we um, have kids, it's the very time that we are trying to um, pull our career together, start our career. Uh, we're trying to hold our marriages together. We're trying to keep our social life and our health together. And we, then we have these ankle biters, and it can be highly pressurized, and a lot of things happening, especially when we're young adults trying to go forward. Well, through the years... I've also noticed that there's no such thing as perfect parents and perfect children. So if you're worried about that, you can just turn to the person next to you and say, hey, there's no perfect parents and there's no perfect children out there. It can be uh, exciting and uh, challenging all the same. Well, if you don't believe me that there's no perfect parents, you can even go to the parents in the Bible of Jesus Christ's parents themselves. They wasn't even perfect. And I have an example of that. It was Mary and Joseph, and they were given the, the um, responsibility of raising the Son of God, Jesus. But the writer Luke, in the second chapter of Luke, took note of a, an extraordinary circumstance that happened as they were trying to parent this young man, Jesus, at the age of 12. So in uh, chapter 2, verse 41, it shares about it was time for them to go to the Passover festival in Jerusalem. Their family was living in Nazareth and was just an annual routine. They were very uh, dedicated Jewish people. They would go to Jerusalem to uh, celebrate what God did in their ancestors through Moses on the, the delivering from Egypt. So here they go, their whole uh, Family and friends are going to Jerusalem, and there they do their festival. The scriptures tell us that it was done in the returning home. But what their parents didn't know is that Jesus stayed behind. 
And they are trucking, going back home, realizing, oh, where is Jesus? He, they're thinking he's with the other relatives or hanging out with the other kids. And they lost track of the Son of God. Can you imagine losing track of the Son of God? Have you ever lost track of your children or forgotten them someplace? Well, it might be you, but not Joseph and Mary. And it says in scriptures, when they looked around and asked their friends and family members, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? They're like, no, we haven't seen Jesus. And so Mary and Joseph had to do the walk of shame back to Jerusalem, childless. They are the parents that lost their kid, right? Especially, how do you do that? Your, your child's the son of God, all right? Let's, let's find him. We catch up in the scriptures. It says, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. I mean, what 12-year-old kid is hanging out in church, right? Asking questions, talking theology. This kid is, right? They were astonished. This kid is going places. Ultimately, he was the son of God. But what I want to point out this morning to you, his mother said to him, Son, why are you treating us this way? Have you ever noticed that whatever our kids do or don't do, we take it so personally, right? Uh, if they're misbehaving, why are you stressing me out? Uh, why, why are you bringing me grief? And then and your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Uh, there's some stress right there. What's going on here? They're just your average parents dealing with this 12-year-old adolescent boy uh, struggling to see that through. It's kind of like the comedian who said, all parents worry about their teenagers' independence. They're all getting independent. The comedian said, well, don't worry about your young teenagers because they're all going to the same place. If you ask the teenager where you're going, they're saying, out. They're all going out. And don't worry about what they're doing. They're all doing the same thing. Nothing. We're doing nothing. Yep, that's the way it is. And a lot of times we feel like we have to be perfect parents and we have to raise perfect children but there's no such thing. And this brings in, this ushers in one of the main components that we're going to be learning today about parenting in the 21st century. And that is the tension between the ideal and the real. The ideal and the real. The, the reality is, is, is that functionality and great kids and great parents are, 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 are very, not very common. Uh, the statisticians out there tell us that there's a lot of brokenness there's a, a lot of conflict in families. The data shows that between 40% to 50% of marriages don't last. There's going to be some divorces. There's going to be some brokenness. Maybe you can relate or, or know of somebody. The stats also tell us that if you go to the millennials and ask them, hey, why aren't you guys embracing uh, matrimony? Uh, many of them are just cohabitating, and many of them would share, well, we're not confident in, in marriage. We, we didn't see our parents do it well. We, we, we see a lot of fallout and heartbreak, and so we're just going to cohabitate, and maybe we might get to that marriage component. We look at the family makeup today. They tell us that 30% of families today, kids are being raised by a single uh, parent. 75% of those 30% single parents are women trying to, to raise kids. Before you know it, a lot of times there's fallout in a society, uh, a lot of uh, hurt and anger and, and misfortune. 
uh, there seems to be a quite a number of young, uh, young males uh, that grew up with absent fathers. And, and this thing, though, it spills out into crime and poor choices and poverty and even drugs. What's going on? Now, before we, we judge, uh, we have to realize that we have all experienced some level of, of reality or dysfunction in our own life. Have we not had our own conflicts? Have we not made our poor choices? And we see our own family with drama and fallout? And this is becoming the, the new norm. This is the, the reality of today, the, the, the real. And, and don't feel bad that if your family has some reality or dysfunction or poor choices, and don't feel bad because if you look in the Bible, it's hard-pressed to see a functional family in the Bible. Almost every family that's shown in the in the Bible has heartbreak and brokenness and some kind of uh, fallout for their poor choices. However, I'm here to tell you today the same Bible describes the real also describes the ideal because God wants the ideal. And see, once upon a time, there was an ideal. There was a perfect order. We read this in the very first book of the Bible, the Old Testament, Genesis, where God created heaven and earth, but he also created humanity, uh, a, a husband and a wife. And together there was a perfect order, and there was a blessing, and there was innocence, and there was purity, and he, and he gave them to fall in love with each other and said, I want you to multiply. I, I want you to to live in this paradise. There's not going to be any conflict. There's not going to be mosquitoes. In fact, you don't even have to wear any clothes and you just enjoy each other and take care of this garden and have a great time. That, that was the ideal. We see in places where the Bible teaches about this ideal. In Ephesians 5, it talks about husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And wives, love your husbands and respect them and honor them. The same place it talks about children, obey your parents, all this ideal and this inspiration. At the same time, God gave humans the ability to make choices, to have free will. That what's different between animals and humans is that humans have consciousness. They know what's right and wrong. And God gave that to Adam and Eve and said, I want you to love me and to do what's right because you want to, not because you're a robot and you have to. And so that meant temptation came in Genesis 3. We, we see that the evil one started tempting Eve and, and Adam, and, and they partook. They wanted to do life on their own. They thought they could be their own God, and right there, sin came into this world. And since then, there's been strife, and there's been conflict and selfishness, and, and the real came part of our lives. But God so loved the world that he came to save the real. He came to redeem it. He wants the best. He wants the ideal. And so God, especially in his word, shared about some standards. He gave some instructions. He gave some boundaries for the ideal. And when he came through his son, Jesus Christ, and the people started pressing him about, hey, what, what's, what do you think about the ideal? Because we got a lot of realism right here. What, what do you think about family and parenting and marriage? What about, about divorce? And Jesus said, I'm not for divorce. We, God hates divorce. Jesus set the standard high and said, what God put together, let no man put us under. Not, not let anything separate. But what about human sexuality? And, and Jesus once again pointed to the ideal. He, he, he set the bar pretty high. He says, I have, you have heard it 
that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Most people would probably, okay, right? But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Where's Jesus going with this? He said, man, human sexuality and how we treat each other should be such a high standard. Don't even lust after another woman or person. He wants women to feel safe. He wants uh, men to have integrity. Some would respond back and say, well, that's unrealistically. Come on, Jesus. You can't hardly do that. Everyone's kind of human. That's not real. But Jesus kept teaching things that pointed to the ideal. He wasn't pointing to the lowest common denominator, whatever our our, uh, instincts feel like. And he gave something for the people to inspire to. He gave parents something to inspire to and and, uh, humans to inspire to. And when he bumped into folks who fell short, unlike the proud religious leaders in that day, he did not condemn people who fell short. In fact, he ministered to them and he extended grace to them. And to the condemners, that's who he condemned. In fact, he died for those who condemned. He died for those who have messed up and failed and fell short of the ideal that live in real now. See, Jesus always pointed to the ideal, but he came for the real. He always talked about, let's inspire to the very best. I want the best, but I understand There's going to be some real, there's going to be some failures and problems and brokenness and divorces and shame and choices that not live up to what he wanted in our life. Even when it comes to things like sexuality, he wanted the best. Let's have spouses love each other. Let's have honorable families and have some um, wonder and some fun. And and kids, honor your mothers and fathers. Respect them and obey them. Well, Jesus, you know, we can't always do that. You know, we have to inspire for ourselves. And, and what if I'm not happy and this person hurt me? And next thing you know, there's just this fallout and there's damages and loneliness and doubts and problems in our world. And every time Jesus was asked or pressed, so what are you going to do with these people who didn't measure up? who failed, who did not expire to the biblical best. What are you going to do with those? And Jesus would respond, I'm going to love them. I'm going to forgive them. And I'm going to help them rebuild their life. See, modern culture is always just kind of lowest common denominator. Well, that's okay. Just just go along with the flow. It's no big deal. But how God wants us to treat our kids and how God wants us to treat each other in family and relationships, it's a big deal but we will always have this tension between the real and the ideal. And this real and the ideal is through the Bible and in the Gospels, but it's also in parenting. And it should also be in our church that we are called to promote the ideal, but we welcome the real. And we want to inspire our children for the ideal, but understand there's going to be times that it's going to be really real. And these, this tension between the real and ideal corresponds even with the theology of two giant pillars in the Christian world, and that is grace and truth. And Jesus would model this concept, these theological pillars of grace and truth. In fact, John in chapter 1 wrote it this way. The word became flesh 
and made him, him made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth are so important to parenting in the 21st century. So let's talk about them for a little bit. If you uh, saw yourself as a parent holding on and trying to live out these, these two components of grace and truth, which one do you kind of lean to? Are, are you more of kind of a truth person, a black and white? You're like, hey, we, we need to set the, the, the rules and the standards. And sometimes we can be kind of over extreme, a little strict, a little authoritarianism right there. Or maybe you have a kind of a personality that maybe you're kind of a, the grace person. You're like, well, oh, man, we need to sympathize and we need to just give them an, uh, another chance and another chance. And before you know it, you, you can go into uh, permissivism or uh, passivity where you're like, ah, nothing is held accountable. See, Jesus lived it out. Andy Stanley said this way, Jesus never dumbed down the truth, but he never dumbed down grace. He always set the bar high, but always he was willing to give grace when it didn't happen. And this applies to our parenting. Parenting with grace and truth at the same time. See, parenting is not a skill to perfect, but attention to manage. That should be good news. Parenting is not a skill that we got to have it all together and perfect, but it's always going to be a skill to kind of manage. Even as grandparents, we have to share the truth in love. At the same time, we realize that there needs to be some grace in the realism, right? And so here it is. And there's always a time for both. Sometimes there's going to be a time for grace, right? Our children are going to spill their milk and accidents happen. Sometimes they're going to forget to put away their toys, right? They maybe need a little reminder. Sometimes they're going to make a stupid mistake or they're going to say something that comes out of their mouth that is not appropriate. Instead of jumping on them, right, we, we have some understanding. We have some grace. Let's, let's try to improve that. You never know uh, the mistakes your children are going to do. Some might even cost you some. But there's also a time of truth, right? Okay, so... And you spill your milk, let's still try to be careful that that doesn't happen again. I understand that you didn't pick up your toys this time, but that's the expectation, that's the truth, that, that's the standard. Let's get our toys picked up. Uh, you know, I, I, that word that you used or what you said is not appropriate, but the standard is we're not going to allow that again. You, you need to get that changed. You know, when, when Logan was uh, a younger boy, he, he was notorious for wanting to put out, uh, make forts. And so he would drag out all kinds of blankets and pillows and chairs, and he'd make all this just fort and stuff. And we'd say, now, if you're going to pull that all out, you got to put it back. Your mom and dad's not going to put it back. And he said, oh, I'll do that. I can do that, right? Well, sure enough, after he's playing in his forts and all this stuff, wrecked the whole living room, whatever. Okay, it's so now to, to put the blankets back and everything back. Oh, yes, I will. Well, he would get distracted and forget, right? And so we'd, we'd be graceful and say, you know, remember, that, that was the standard. We need to get that, that back. Yes, oh, yes, yes. And soon, pretty soon he, he, he would not obey. He would not put it back. And then we had to get a little bit firm, right? We had to lean more on the truth and say, Logan, the, the understanding, the expectation is you were going to take that back. Well, I don't know if I want to. And then we would use this phrase on this little guy. We'd say, Logan, you need to obey now. 
And when we, he, we used that word obey, there was something about that kid that that would trigger him, and he would turn, and he'd put everything back. We're not sure why. I, maybe it, we taught him when he was younger that that was one of the Ten Commandments, and, and that's a God thing to obey your parents. But that would seem to be his word when we said obey. Uh, Pastor Taylor was, obviously, you got to sing to your child, but something to say, hey, let, let's get to the truth. But we need them both as we parent in these days. We need these both in everyday life. When we deal with our spouse, our friends, or our co-workers, grace and truth. In fact, it can be an approach to life. It can be an approach to parenting. It can even be kind of a vision or philosophy on how we parent or some of the goals we'd like to have as our children. In fact, do you have a philosophy of parenting? Do you have a vision for your children? What are you trying to teach them? What, what is your approach? Some do gravitate to this in our house. We're about God's truth and we're about God's grace. Um, some parents are like, I want to raise very responsible children. That's our goal. That's our, our approach. Andy Stanley was saying that when, when they were raising their kids, they only had two rules. One was honesty and that you have to honor your mother. Whatever you do, honor your mother and have honesty. I know a family in our church that their two approaches or philosophy was respect and obedience. Uh, you need to respect uh, your parents. Uh, you need to respect your siblings, your teachers, and ultimately God. In fact, if you go to their house today and you go in their bedrooms, each of their child's bedrooms, there was a plaque that said respect and obey. That was their approach. That was their vision. If you ask my son, Logan, what are the comforts all about? What is, what is our vision, expectations about two things, Christ and character? Everything we do is Christ and character. We don't always get it right, but that's what we're inspiring to. And like I said, this parenting thing is not always easy, but it is one of the most important jobs that we have. And we only get one shot on getting it right with our children, unless you're kind of like the, the comforts. You know our story. We, we, we're getting a second shot. We, we raised one kid for 17 years, and then all of a sudden we had a, a bonus child. And so we're getting a, another round of doing it again. God must have known that we only can raise one child at a time. And, uh, but we are, we are a little bit different parents than we were the first round. So in the next three weeks, we're going to be exploring, and we're going to get more in the nuts and bolts of the practices of parenting, and we're going to be looking at what Andy Stanley calls Jesus' brand of love. Jesus' the brand of love out of Ephesians, of our 1 Corinthians 13. So can we inspire? Can we parent in that tension between the real and the ideal? Can we demonstrate truth and expect truth at the same time to give grace? When uh, Terry and I started uh, pastoring, God sent us to a little town in southeast Ohio. We just had our little baby boy. We were trying to be good parents, and he was maybe two or three. And we had this new little congregation, and we also were the uh, midweek youth pastors. And we had this good group of teenagers that were coming. We had a lot of fun. As we got to know these teenagers, we just realized uh, some of the family situations they were coming out of. And we were just kind of surprised and shocked on some of the choices that their parents made in the past or, or, or currently. At the same time, uh, we were ministering to the uh, congregants of that 
um, church, and there was a lot of dysfunction. The little town, there was a lot of uh, conflict and affairs, and I would just say just dysfunction. And it was all filtering in to these families that were ministering to, and there was crisis calls and problems. And and one day I, I came home from Terry uh, to Terry, and I said, you know, I think that one of the most important things we can do is just keep our family and our marriage together. Because what I'm seeing around here is there's so much brokenness. There's so much of dysfunction and realism around here that these kids do not have a model that we can love each other. You can uh, make wise financial choices. You can have a happy marriage. You can uh, discipline and love your kids in a healthy, wonderful, whole way. And, and they didn't teach me this at Bible college. They taught me, man, have your theology right and make sure you minister right and shepherding. But I think one of the greatest ministries, I said to Terry, is we just keep it together, right? <laughs> that our people can say, at least there's one family in the city that's not getting divorced, that's not having an affair, that's not yelling at their kids, beating our kids, spending wildly. And if we could just have a functional family, maybe it's the best thing we can do for our community and our church. You know, that, that goes for all of us, right? Wherever you are at, God is help asking you to inspire to the ideal, even in the real, to do your very best, to keep aiming for the ideal, even in the midst of the real. So this is what I have for you to offer you. Wherever you're at in your family life, um, to remember that God wants you to inspire to the ideal. For some of you, you say, you know, Jim, my family has made mistakes. We do have some cracks. We do have some embarrassments. We, we've made some poor choices, or they've made some poor choices. And, and I don't know uh, if we're worthy. I want you to know that God loves you wherever you're at. That's what he came for. He wants to extend grace to you, and he wants you to extend grace to yourself. And wherever you're at, to start, because he can help redeem. He can help mend the brokenness and, and the mistakes and say, you know, from here on, we're going to do our very best to grow, to mature, to inspire to God's ideal. And maybe you're pursuing the ideal as a family. You're doing your very best to uh, dispense and influence your children for Christ and, and character and, and for truth and grace. And I, I encourage you to keep learning um, come back to the next three uh, messages as we look at God's brand of love and what that has to do with parenting, because it's worth it. I saw a meme the other day that said, the funny thing about raising kids is that they are the reason that we lose it, and they are the reason that we hold it together. That's so true. And my friends, we need to hold it together. And we need to resist the voices of our culture that says, no, it's okay if you just break up. It's just okay if you lose it. It's okay to just give in to whatever you're feeling at that time. Don't let the culture steal the dream that God has for your family. Don't let the voices out there to steal your matrimony and your heart and your, and your soul and your health. Yes, we will always live in a world that's in tension between the real and the ideal. But God can help us to grow. God can help us to inspire to his ideal of grace and truth. But we'll need his help. So why don't we stand and we'll just kind of close and ask God to help us with this in prayer. Heavenly Father, 
man, we have a lot to learn. Life is complicated. Uh, parenting t- teenagers or adult children is complicated. And we need your help. We're so thankful, God, that you extended grace. You lived the truth. You taught the truth. But at the same time, God, you modeled grace and love. Teach us to inspire for your best. Teach us to have a, have a desire for, for your truth, God, and for our families. And God, help us to receive your grace when we have failed and when we have lost it and we're not doing our best, God, that we can repent, we can recalibrate, we can go forward. Help us, God, not to condemn other people that might have not lived up to your expectations or our expectations. Help help us not to be judgmental, God, to realize we all need grace. And we all need to grow as individuals, as parents, and as Christ's followers. And God, before we go, we just once again extend out to to parents in, in Ukraine that are maybe running for their life and trying to protect their kids Uh, More than ever, uh, they need your help, God. And so we're going to go and do our best, Father God, to be ambassadors for you, especially um, uh, living out grace and truth with our children. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.